0: So usually, how I like to start these conversations is is really about an individual's journey. And fortunately, when I get to speak to people, they're really working on something that is pretty impactful, and they're going to be sort of working on it for the you know a lot of their life, a lot of time, and a lot of effort spent on it. Uh, but in this case, in this rare case, I kind of want to talk a little bit about your predecessor. And uh, sort of Lila has always has been sort of uh, one of the originals in sort of this impact entrepreneurs social entrepreneurship sort of landscape right through through source and then through through Luxme so uh, I think it doing maybe a little in memory of her for, for those who don't know who she was talk a little bit about her journey first and, and maybe how she's she, she had impacted your life.
1: Uh, Laila Jana uh, was a social impact serial entrepreneur, a daughter of Indian immigrants, hustled her way, started early going to Harvard, worked odd jobs just to pay, for, pay her way through school, started on this journey and social impact pretty early. She, uh, you know, when she was still in her early teens, she went yeah. uh, to Africa um, to volunteer work and just got presence to this um, tremendous pool of talent that is uh, part of the the that continent, but we just never really get in contact with here in the West. You know that kind of planted a seed for her early on. Uh, fast forward a couple of years after after she graduated from high, from Harvard, she got this idea of starting Samosource, her first social impact startup, which is in the tech AI space, essentially placing computer centers in rural parts of Africa, teaching young adults and women basic computer skills and data entry skills Mm -hmm. and through the highway of technology then uh working with fortune 50 companies such as google microsoft and tesla giving work to these marginalized communities through computer work for example say tesla needs to annotate images for self-driving cars it's Mm -hmm. it's Mm -hmm. a job that requires a human component. It's you know looking at an image and saying, this is a person, this is a building, this is a bus or whatever it might be, right? Um, So it's a human that needs to do it, at least at this point. Um, But you know, in many other in many other countries and you know in the developed world, not a lot of people are wanting to take on that type of job. But Mm -hmm. you know, for someone living in a slum in East Africa, that provides a new future. And you know for them to be able to work directly with these with amazing. these um, you know amazing companies is yeah crafting a new future not just for that individual but also for that individual's family and for the community at large so that was you know the genesis of her social impact journey and uh, she was going back and forth to africa a lot one day at a local market in uganda stumbled upon this ingredient called Nilotica, which is a type of superfood mm. nut that grows wild on trees in northern uganda and south sudan and just seeing these you know like a like a not like Nilotica but also all these other rare medicinal plants that are available in the region but i've never been exported to the west just you know it's been used by the local communities for generations but mm-hmm. we just never see it here in the west right. because we're used to lab produced products and um a different type of connection to na- to nature to just realize that wow okay i can actually start another uh, social impact company Applying the same type of give work model that she pioneered with Samosaurs, but then using clean beauty as the vehicle to create good. So in the harvesting of the rare medicinal plants that we use for our products here at Luxme, we're partnering with women's fair trade cooperatives in uh, remote areas of the world and then giving work to underserved women in underserved communities in harvesting the the plants. So Mm -hmm. it is... Not just, you know, providing work to that individual and helping them lift themselves and their families out of poverty, but it also then impacts climate change because you show the local communities the value of these natural resources, Mm -hmm. specifically uh, at trees, for example, for the longest time, the the locals didn't quite realize the power of of these of these trees and preserving these trees. They would get chopped down and sold for firewood for a dollar a day mm. on on the road right. uh, the roadside. But then showing them that hey, actually. You know, you can harvest the nuts. See, they have been using Nilotica, the nyalotika nuts, um, as a cold-pressed butter for generations to treat various skin conditions. But it was just used, on, you know, on, on a local scale. But sure. to show, oh, you can actually work with the West. We can, we can export that. And um, especially in northern Uganda was a region that for decades was torn apart by a brutal civil war. So even that, showing, showing them that you know you can use nature as a way. Out of a lot of these problems that you're facing, and especially when it comes to when it comes to the give work model, Lila really saw, and you know, through a lot of research uh, from uh, various organizations, has been shown that work and employment is such a critical component to creating lasting change. We often view, you know, foreign aid and nonprofits mm, mm-hmm. kind of like the the vehicles. To create, you know, or, or to help these developing nations, but you know, the reality is, in the past 60 years alone, over a trillion dollars in development-related aid has transferred hands from the rich <laughs> West to, you know, developing nations in Africa alone, and those funds have definitely created a big change but at the same time you know these uh, these funds don't always reach the people that need it the most mm-hmm. uh, the same thing say if you're you know a nonprofit comes in and builds a school or something like that what happens in those communities when the when the kids of the poorest parents can't afford school uniforms or school books that fancy shiny school can even exasperate right. the differences in in that community so it is it is a very interesting model that she pioneered, where you know we can use we can use business as a vehicle to to create lasting change, and we're working a lot with government agencies and these nonprofit players. So it's it's a it's an ecosystem of positive change, and you know she really believed, and you know at the company we really believe that business and doing good don't have to be diametrically opposed. They can and should power charge one another. So with that, you know she she launched you know sama sama source the tech ai company i think it was about 12 years ago now mm-hmm. and yeah. you know they've grown into a, a big um, a big player in in their space uh, and then in 2015 she launched luxmi also launched another nonprofit called sama, sama school which mm-hmm. is working on a similar model as sama source but us with a f- focus on the us mm. so she she was uh, visionary and a pioneer in many ways an extremely driven uh, fantastic human being in so many ways and it was at the beginning of 2019 she got diagnosed with cancer and um, at that i had started with with uh, luxme a little before that uh, but during her during her time in treatment uh, you know worked very closely with lila and you know we 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 never saw anything else or imagined that you know she wouldn't pull through she was just this lion's mind of being able put all these ventures and everything you know just such a trailblazer in many ways so there's no doubt but then yeah in january 2020 she Mm -hmm. passed away from cancer she was only 37 yeah um and you know it's a tremendous loss for for us all Uh, but I always wonder, you know, what could have happened if a person like her would have lived until her 80s or 90s, you know, at at 37, she had already lifted over 50,000 people out of poverty. So it was, it was a, you know, tremendous tragedy, but she, she's a incredible source of inspiration and um you know we're we're very happy to be able to continue her legacy and continue the, the the brand mission and forward this important work that we really think you know is the is the future for a lot of this positive change that we want to create in the world
0: yeah no her story is uh it's unbelievable what she could do at, at, at such a very young age she, she accomplished a a lifetime worth of things right which is you know incredibly impressive and inspiring so you know I I just uh you know I I hope what she has done is obviously it it won't be lost anytime soon but you know in keeping her memory alive through through Me and through obviously Samosaurus and all the things she's left behind right and that she's if anybody wants to read the book I think Give Work is the actual name of the book, correct? Yes. So, correct. Yeah, that's a great way to really get insight on what she accomplished and built in her in her young life. You know, so uh, thank you, thank you for sharing that. But I think it's it's a great segue into into your life and and sort of what. The baton that, that has been passed on to you and let, let's kind of talk a little bit about how you know your journey intertwined with Luxmi, and, and and what it's been like to get introduced to to Lila and, and to uh, what she was doing what was your journey before that and then how did you come about meeting her
1: yes yeah, so I am um, originally from Stockholm Sweden I came to the U.S. about 12 years ago uh, with big curiosity, a uh, dream, hunger for adventure. I worked a lot of uh, different operation roles and various startups. And I've always been fascinated by this whole, you know, building of a company from from scratch and, um, you know, how to create company cultures and being able to really have an impact. i um, always worked in a lot of uh, with brands that have been very mission driven. I've never really believed in work being this nine to five type of lifestyle. And then you go home and then deal with your, life in other ways. For me, it's always been, yeah, it's just, it's just been a full-on life experience. And I really thrive in these type of maybe uncertain, but very interesting, (laughs) interesting settings. I also describe myself as a clean beauty nerd. I, I had my own, you know, health, health journey with, you know, struggled with acne and bad skin, sensitive skin for all of my life and always gravitated towards wellness and well-being in general. And, you know, exploring all of the different, natural ways that you can heal the body and the system. And um, I think there's just so much wisdom in nature and mm. in the holistic system of the of the body that we're not really quite in tune with here especially not in the in the western world so I I was living down in Miami for uh, about uh, 10 years and working down there and um, realized I was ready for a change I you know I gotten my green card through work and I paid my dues and I was you know free to move on to something new and i thought i really want to go to new york and i really want to work in another startup with uh, something that i truly believe in and um saw that Luxmi me was uh, looking for uh, an operations and finance manager and <laughs> that was you know the the perfect the perfect job for me i was you know familiar already with the brand and and uh, really like the products and um yeah you know interviewed and uh, met with lila and we really really clicked right away we you know share the same mission and view of a lot of different things from everything in you know from business to life through you know, just very similar characteristics in many ways so
0: on, on that application on that application did you put that you were a marathon runner and you're uh, Qui I can't even say it I, <laughs> Quadric, I'm just, <laughs> um, I
1: I'm not sure if I did, but um, somehow that was one of those things i don 't know actually how I know Lila picked up on that um, because she would always i remember whenever we would go someplace and she would always introduce me and say oh, this is Anna, she's, um, she's done Ironman, comp- she's done Ironman triathlon, so she's an Ironman. Yeah. An Ironman. yeah. Um, and, you know, to me, that's just, I've always been super fascinated by, you know, doing physical challenges and races and, you know, long endurance type of, um, type of sports. So it's just been part of my nature. So I've never really quite, you know, reflected too much on. What, on what's that.
0: harder to, to become quadrilingual or becoming an Ironwoman? What's, like what was Because the, they're both equally, I feel like, as damaging, like one's on the body and then one's on the brain. They're both equally hard to do.
1: Well, I think for me, I've always been very curiosity driven and I like talking to people. I love exploring, you know, meeting new people and everything. So for me, naturally coming from Sweden, you know, we're a very small country. And mm-hmm. if I want to speak only Swedish, then, you know, I'll have about eight, nine million people. To, to talk to and, which sounds like a lot but yeah i always wanted more so i've always studied a lot of languages uh growing up and then i lived in england i lived in italy for a while as well before coming to the u.s and um yeah just so it's italian
0: so it's swedish italian english what are and they, spanish and spanish okay yes okay. Okay. so
1: it's it's one of those things where it's just been passionate, you know another passion of mine is just yeah the the encounter between people and how you can do that in different you know across different cultures and uh, different languages and then yeah the 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 long endurance triathlon part was just more of a you know fun challenge a lot of the times so i realized when i do when i do these intense races I learned so much uh, yeah. I would say that the Iron, the Ironman the full Ironman that I did was one of the biggest learning experiences for me and I've I've I've, I've applied the knowledge from there.
0: Sure. Yeah. Um,
1: so yeah. I I don't know if I could uh, you know compare the two I think maybe languages is, is trickier because you have to upkeep it yeah. with a race you can, you can train and you can have it done and in a way you can live off that old merit forever.
0: <laughs> do you still do you still train that hard or was that Something you did earlier. I train
1: I train on and off right now. I mean, it takes a lot of time. Uh, sure. To, yeah, to that's have a that whole, type of full job. Uh, yeah. That that training load, and when I did, you know, that later race, I think I trained 20 hours a week for
0: uh, mm, nine wow. weeks.
1: So it wasn't, you know, it wasn't that long. And a lot of the times, that's one of those lessons I've learned that, you know, when I started with that, I've never done even a triathlon. I didn't even own a bicycle or anything mm-hmm, like that. Mm-hmm. So when I, you know, just googling how how to do how to do an Ironman triathlon, and you know, you just see all this information on online saying, oh, you need to have a coach, and you need to do this, and you need it makes it sound so much more complicated than it is and I just thought well maybe I can figure this out by myself and I have a feeling I can do it in in a much shorter time than you know all of these reports are saying online and it turns out it was fine a lot of the times you know <laughs> the most the biggest barriers are in our in our minds and you know thinking that we can't do it or mm. thinking that it's much harder than it is I mean how often does that not happen do you right. think that you know oh this is going to be a really intense thing and once you're through it you're like
0: that <laughs> so, I mean, it seems like for, from learning languages and doing the triathlons, there's, I think there's a lot of sort of mental like fortitude and just concentration that goes into those, both of those items. Uh, how has that segued into, you know, becoming CEO of a of a growing brand, impact brand which is a bit different, right? Because obviously, you know, P&L matters, margins, all these all these things that normal businesses sort of worry about, you have to worry about that too. But you're also, like you said before, we're sort of dealing with the idea that this business and company can change a generation of people. Right. It can change the generation of a community, of an entire neighborhood or community, you know, through this. So how is it transitioning to CEO? And obviously, you know, these mental challenges you've, you've faced before and sort of just overcome personally, how has that helped? You know, translate into into becoming the, the CEO.
1: Good question. Yes, I mean, I think the the journey to CEO has has uh, definitely been a very challenging and interesting time. Um, like I mentioned, I started um, the finance and ops side at Luxmi, and then during Lila's treatment for cancer, she asked me to to step up and you know mm. uh, take things on so that she could focus on her well-being and you know. It, Obviously, at that time, there was, like I said, we all, we all thought that she was going to come back, so this was just a temporary thing. Mm-hmm. But you know, throughout the process, she 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 did ask me, and we did talk about the CEO role, and she said that she did see me as the, as the as the new CEO. But still, you know, I wasn't, I wasn't quite prepared for that when, you know, when she passed and it was a personal loss because in many ways, you know, she was, we were very close in age and, you know, she was almost like a sister to me in many ways as a mentor, a friend, you know, not just my boss. But then, when the board of directors asked if I wanted to, you know, take things on officially, since I'd already kind of been running things behind the behind the scenes, obviously there was a lot of fear there. It was mm-hmm. uh, just the the feeling of, of you know, a big, pretty big shoes to fill. But at the same time, then knowing that I had Lila's support, we did share the same vision, and you know, I've I've been working in these types of ways of wanting to make a difference for you know the longest time and even even in my races I would always do races for for charity and it would always Mm -hmm. be you know directed to the African continent in one way or another or to you know well-being or to whatever it might be but it was always in 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 that area so it all kind of made made sense but I do see that for me one of the things like I mentioned with with the Ironman race is realizing that I can do way more than I than right. I think, and a lot yeah. of it is just yeah. being able to have you when you've gone through anything, whatever we all go through, you know, it helps us in, in the next time when we just having that confidence of knowing, okay, well, I can handle a much bigger load than I than I think, but then at the same time, also just the, the mental training with uh, that goes into that also being able to push myself to mm-hmm. the next level having a certain extra gear with my with my own body and my connection with my yeah. body I remember in the beginning the board and the majority owner would always be like are you okay are you you're not working too hard are you everything is okay and I'm like I I know my body to the to yeah. every, like I know every inch of my body and I know exactly when I'm about to break down and when I need to pull back and when I can put in you know that extra gear and that has helped a lot as well and just in the overall performance so yeah I think it all kind of comes you know full circle one thing that I've learned especially through this uh, experience but you know through my life in general i think people underestimate character and Mm. i think uh, when i first got asked to take things over i definitely i definitely faced a lot of imposter syndrome you know through through conversations with friends and people who know me well and they said well you know lila lila saw you as the next ceo as well and she knows your character more than anything and you know whatever you know the whatever the support that you want from the board whatever whatever the resources that you need to to pull this off yeah you can you can find that but character is something that you know you need to you need to just develop and you know you you have you have the seeds for that already and i think that's more the you know the the strength that this whole experience has brought
0: i, I want to talk a little bit about actually what Luxme does right because i think we can we could talk about you know, business and social entrepreneurship and impact brands, right? Sometimes they're just words, right? And 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 we don't see and normally people don't understand like actually what happens, right? To in communities and the impact that occurs and how lives can be changed through 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 business models like this. So just kind of take us through an overall picture, maybe, of what Luxmi is and, and sort of its its mission and, and sort of its, its goals as. Uh, as a company
1: yeah so uh, like I mentioned it's a clean beauty brand uh, so we do skincare, clean ingredients and uh, using rare medicinal plants that we source from various regions around the world these type of plants that have been used by indigenous communities for generations but uh, we just commonly don't see in the west because it is a it's a costly and patient process to yeah. you know get get um, <laughs> get access to to these types of Botanicals, you know, on a, on a larger scale. So with that, like I mentioned, we work with un, uh, mostly with women's fair trade cooperatives. A lot, a lot of our businesses is um, harvesting mylotica in uh, northern Uganda. But then also we, you know, partner with various organizations along the way as well, just how we can like triangulate positive change. So say for example, we have one project which was Lila's uh, last passion project. It's a serum called Luxme 33, just uh, 33 rare medicinal plants and botanicals that goes into this really beautiful mm. oil. And we did that in partnership with an environmental non-profit Conservation International and um, the Surinamese government and a tribe, mm. the Amazon jungle in Suriname in South, South America. And one of these rare plants, the, one of the 33 plants in the, in the serum is called Tuca oil a type mm-hmm. of Brazil nut oil, that Brazil nuts that grow wild in the Amazon. And in this project where we partnered with an environmental nonprofit and the tribe, we're, we're enabling the tribe to protect the land around this village called Alalapadu. And by buying their production of tuca mm-hmm. oil, we can then enable, enable the tribe through the protection of this environmental non-profit and the support from the Surinamese government helped the tribe to protect two hundred thirty-five thousand hectares of Amazon jungle, wow. um, which is, you know, a tremendous asset to to the locals, but also then for the wildlife that sure. live there. I mean, it's a it's it's a very empowering project and message also for the individual consumer. I feel because especially mm-hmm. when it comes to climate change there are mm-hmm. not a lot of things we can do on an individual level uh, that is not right. restrictive a lot of it is living less somehow it's fly less eat less yep. red meat drive less but we really believe that when it comes to climate change and in general to create positive change we need to incorporate you know daily habits in a way that makes this change sustainable for the individual as well you know it's driving less or, you know, flying less and all of that stuff only works, I think, for for a certain amount of time. And then you kind of start to get back into your regular routine again. But getting ready in the morning and, Mm. you know, taking care of your skin is something that you do anyway, most of it, Mm -hmm. most of us. So by using a product that has been, you know, created in this sort of way, you're making a positive change on a daily basis. And then, you know, not just on the environmental side, but this is also, again, you know, providing income for this, for this tribe and, you know, in, in this project as well, we're, you know, we're working with the tribe long-term in terms of, which is where the, Environmental nonprofit also comes in with a lot of education to the tribe, everything from personal finances to um, wow. gender equality. We're installing solar panels in this in this tribe, but just you know in in a much more long-term type of way. It's not just it's not just a marketing uh, ploy or you know a, a do good mission that's you yeah. know on the surface level, but something where we really believe that you know we can. It's more using clean beauty as a vehicle to create change and then you know like i mentioned the the nylotica nut type of project we're yeah. seeing the positive change that we can create with us with us women and you know, a lot of these most of our most of the people that we work with have been with us since day 1 and mm. you know they become like family it's just That's incredible great. to see the change that they can that they can do and you know not just for themselves but you know for these women to feel like they can take care of themselves and their and their families and for their for their kids to be able to go to school and you know also just imagine that world where kids grow up and they see their mom being able to take care of herself and their mm-hmm. family she can mm-hmm she can choose her partner out of love not out of necessity yeah. she has yeah. a voice because at the same at the same time it's when you have when you have that sense of agency over your own life you know it it also impacts so many other problems that we're trying to solve downstream on a global scale like i mentioned education right healthcare sanitation research shows that On average, a woman tends to reinvest about 90% of her paycheck into the health, education, and well-being of her family and community. So the impact just by giving work to a woman, you just spread the impact farther and deeper. And that's that type of impact that we can see, you know, it's also... Just in terms of, say, spreading democracy, for example, right? It's like totally. when you have when you're when you're a contributing taxpayer. I, I was the, thinking
0: the same thing. Yeah,
1: you know, it's like yeah. you have a voice. You can hold your you can hold your government account officials accountable. You can contribute to society in a whole different way, and especially then, you know, by by including women in that discussion it just changes things on a much you know broader scale so that's one of those things for us we just see you know we obviously clean social impact skincare isn't the only solution but I think it is a very impactful solution on global poverty and all of the downstream effects of that but then also climate change like I mentioned you know it's like we have to do more on a on a global level together and businesses do have a responsibility to Not just not do harm, you know. It's Mm -hmm. yeah. Yeah. Oh, it's non-toxic products, or you know, we're not we're we're doing give back donations or planting trees and that sort of stuff, which is nice. But at the same time, it's like if you if you build a business with. You know, where the whole business model, yeah, totally. the whole supply chain, everything yeah. is rooted in that do good mission.
0: Like you said, the, the ancillary benefits from it are, are so many, right? You might just try to solve economic development in this one little community, right? But by doing that, you also solve education or health you know, in a community, right? There's so many different things that come off of just, you know, having economic empowerment. But like you said, even on top of that, women empowerment, because women invest money better than than men when, when you're talking about family, you know, it, yeah. it, it in general life really, I mean women and finances, I think we could finally say that you are better at it than we are. <laughs> um, so, so I think we're we're yet to to really see the the ancillary data from companies doing it from in a holistic point of view from their whole company, right? The entire ecosystem has some type of impact behind it. I think we're yet to really see what the positive impact just because it hasn't been around so long, right? I mean 2015, like we're you know, it's gonna take probably another decade or so before we really see. That first generation of a child seeing her, his or her mother work and and you know their whole life and provide for them, give them the opportunity. We're kind of yet to see that how that affects uh, the mental well being and the economic well being of the next generation of these women who are the first to come out of uh, of this movement. So I, I just obviously it's. It, I'm very optimistic, <laughs> um, but I, I want to, we keep comments on the word clean beauty. And, and I think for, um, for some people, I think maybe let's, let's try to define that a little bit because there's a lot of different words being thrown at consumers nowadays, right? And especially as the, the social responsibility movement comes to the forefront a little bit, you know, things can get a little confusing because now you got, you'll, you'll have massive, really big brands who Who haven't been so uh, positive in the past now start to to change their tone a little bit, slap labels on things and and use keywords that will get consumers to buy them or, or whatever it may be. But just talk a little bit about clean beauty versus let's just call it traditional beauty and maybe what the what the differences are there and why consumers should care.
1: Yes, absolutely. And like you mentioned, there's been a lot of movement in the industry mm-hmm. from this conventional beauty to a more uh, you know, clean beauty um, narrative. And obviously, there's, there, there are different categories to it as well. Sure. Um, from, us, from our side, we just view it as products that you put on your on your body really impacts long-term your pre- overall pre- and <laughs> yeah and it's it's just one of those things i think especially in the light of the current pandemic a lot of people are realizing that you know that mm. that holistic connection of what you put on your body gets absorbed into your body it's mm. Uh, About 60% of what you apply to your skin um, can get absorbed into the the body and the bloodstream. And a lot of of conventional beauty products are filled, unfortunately, with a lot of ingredients that are maybe not supposed to be inside of our bodies. On average, a woman uses about 12 personal care products in a day, you know, between shampoo, soap, makeup, skincare, toothpaste, all of that stuff. Mm -hmm. And um, they... It's been shown. It shows that it contains around uh, just under 170 different chemicals, mm-hmm. um, and we don't really know what that does on a right. long-term basis. You know, we, we apply it once, or maybe twice a, a day for decades, and right. a lot of the times these are. Hormone disruptors, immunosuppressants, carcinogens, and the common consumer might not even know about that. Sure. Um, you turn the back of a product, and it can look like a jungle, like a chemistry project. <laughs> right? Only,
0: only a uh, by only a, a quadlingualist could even understand. what <laughs> <it, but, laughs> read on the back and file?
1: Yeah, and I mean, it's just it, it, it is it is very it is it is a very different approach to skincare, where we believe that you know, plants and Mm -hmm. um, medicinal botanical things from mother nature have a lot more power than than we are familiar with. And, you know, you should treat the body with the type of love and respect it deserves. And also looking at it long-term because you can apply these um, toxic or chemical products and it might have a great effect on your skin because your skin is a barrier so whatever you know whatever you put on it you know communicates with the body in general so you can put something on the skin that just kind of uh, freezes it and mm. it will look, look great but it, because it's toxic and and you know chemical it just freezes everything up so it's almost like putting an iron curtain mm. over over this barrier and like I said it might be hormone disruptors and immunosuppressants right. I and all that, really that you can't really see internally
0: yeah, internally. What's yeah,
1: happening, what think, is yeah. happening and what is what is going to happen long term, and we don't know the effects of that. So. In general, you know, it's also not just the effect on yourself, but there's also research showing that they found, a couple, they did some research a couple of years ago, I think it's 287 different chemicals in the umbilical uh, cord blood in newborn babies. Like, wow. So even that, you know, it's stored in the body. It's 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 passed on to the next wow. generation. And, you know, these small toddlers and newborns, you know, they, they should not be exposed to these type of chemicals. It's not, it's not something the body was made to handle so for us we really think that you know we 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 want ingredient transparency we want ingredients that actually do good for the body short term long term and that do good for the for the planet so for us it's like you shouldn't have to choose between a product that actually works and does good for you and you know the people around you obviously like there's a there's a lot of things i can go into as a clean beauty nerd um, sure.
0: <laughs> when it comes to
1: when it comes to ingredients and, and all of that type of stuff but i think in general you know it, it can be it can be a jungle for for yeah. the, the average consumer especially for someone yeah. who is used to the more conventional uh, beauty products and the and the kind of quick effects that you see with that but you know just to shift to clean beauty and taking on a more long-term perspective in a long-term relationship to your own well-being is it can be a bit of a process but even just starting small because like said it's you know you can create these big changes through the small yeah. habits that you're doing every day so it might just be you know changing changing a product or looking looking at the, the type of products that you're using on on your child or right. uh, on yourself so Do I think it's, it's a good shift though
0: this is the kind of I think threshold that we're at and where I think it- Everything can take a real positive leap is like getting Luxme into obviously like Target, big distribution areas for everyday consumers. How how has it been? Have you had conversations, obviously, with these big sort of uh, chains where, you know, they can then make uh, consumer habits much more easy?
1: Uh, for, for Luxme, we've uh, we launched in 2016 as the first clean social impact beauty brand to be sold at Sephora. Yep. So we've definitely been, you know, involved with larger retailers as well. But like you mentioned, it is a it is a different a different game and Especially now, you know, when we started, clean beauty was very, was a very niche market and the clean beauty buyer was traditionally very savvy when it came to ingredients and knew a lot about products and all that type of stuff. Now, especially with COVID, the market is kind of expanding and and the more traditional conventional beauty buyer is moving into uh, the clean beauty sprays. And that has obviously created new interesting challenges for us a (laughs) lot around that consumer education part. Yeah. And we find definitely that, you know, a lot of the bigger retailers, they carry a little bit of everything. And yeah. that can be confusing for the consumer. One thing that I really like, you know, both as a as a consumer myself, but also from, from a brand perspective is seeing a lot of these clean beauty retailers that are popping up, for example, uh, Credo, Detox Market here in the US, where they do all of the vetting for mm. you as a consumer. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. They, they have certain standards in terms of, clean ingredients so if you're being sold there you mean that means that you know you're you're right. already so as a consumer i for example you know do buy a lot of uh, clean beauty products at detox Market, which which is one of our retailers and it's really nice to be able to go in there and say okay well i know that whatever i get in here is going to be of a certain standard right of uh, ingredients cleanliness and that could be a really good way for someone to start like I said, it is a jungle. We start Great to look point. at yeah. it and it just feels overwhelming. But then you can, you can find people who do that work for you. Uh, so you can just kind of pick and choose what works for you and what type of products that you're interested in.
0: Amazing. Well, I, I want to end on the last question to, to be a little bit about the future and, and sort of goals and, and sort of milestones uh, of sort of impact that internally you look at and the team looks at. And you know, maybe if you look three to five years down the line, what are some of the the successes and goals that you hope to accomplish? You know, do you do you want to obviously add more makers, more, more women to to the job force in, in different areas? Is it is it staying in the the continent of Africa? Are there other places around the world where you know amazing sort of botanicals exist where that could be uh, another area where employment can go a long way and, and the, the products there can be equally as, as clean and sustainable. So just when, you know, when when you're talking about impact, you know, sort of goals over the next three to five years, what, what do those look like?
1: I've been thinking a lot of, of about that lately. Obviously, when I um, started as a CEO and, and officially took over, you know, it was is a big part of the conversation also with the board, because naturally, when when there is that type of handover from um, the previous CEO, Lila, who you know was had such a clear profile, and she was you know a very strong character in many ways. Just in, in general, just you know the the continuity of the brand has been a big a big discussion for us. And how do you you know translate her legacy into uh, mm. the future for us and. I mean, I've been very lucky that our community has been extremely welcoming to me and you know, really embraced mm-hmm. me and, and accepted this change in, in a very supportive way. But of course, part of that is also how do I translate that for the future? For us, we're definitely looking at more type of projects. I mentioned the project in the Amazon. Mm-hmm. I do feel that you know there are a lot of really cool ways that companies can work with the environment and you know help help the consumer fight climate change and you know mm-hmm. wider range of problems that we want to take on. I do see as well that just as with the pandemic and a lot of brands kind of waking up to the need for more do good missions and that sort of stuff. I mentioned, you know, there are a lot of brands are doing give back donations and planting trees type of initiatives. And that is definitely good, but we do Mm -hmm. also want to encourage more brands to take it on in a deeper level. Yeah. So we're also, you know, I do participate in a lot of different uh, situations and and, podcast interviews and different, uh, different outlets to help other brands, you know, in other industries, because you can apply the give work model to, to most industries. Right. Yeah. Um, And I think that that's, that's a direction that we would like to see as well. Like, you know, we're, we're happy to be one of the first in this, but we're definitely not wanting to be, you know, one of the last either. So to start and help lead this movement Mm. um, of incorporating the business world, with the nonprofit and the foreign aid world and empowered consumers. I think that could be a really interesting ecosystem moving forward. So there's there's a lot of things, obviously, on on my mind of how, as well, how we grow a brand in an authentic way. I mean, especially in the startup world, there's, there's so much hype around,
0: <laughs> you know,
1: insane growth and, yep. and all of this yep. top line revenue. It's all this yep. stuff. No. And, you know, you're becoming big on Instagram and all of that mm-hmm. type of stuff. Mm-hmm. And I think for us, you know, the, having always the triple bottom line in mind of profit people and the planet is critical. Of course, you know, there, there, there are a lot of different voices. There's no way, the right way to, to grow a brand. But we sure. want to continue to be an advocate, be, be outspoken and have a strong voice in the clean beauty space and beyond in the business world in general. And continue the social impact mission that Lila so beautifully started. So it's gonna be a process for sure. Um, you know, already during this pandemic now there's been a lot of you know challenges coming up that yeah. we're facing, but um very, very optimistic for the future. But I think it's just that uh, we we need more brands and not just LuxMe, but in any other industry as well. We need I think we need more brands with an authentic voice and where it's more, you know, connecting to that human side. The cons- the consumer is hungry for it. Yeah, we we don't want to just consume products that you know do good no good for nobody, not even for the user. And I think it's <laughs> right. going to be really hard, especially in the in the beauty space, to in five years sell a product that is full of chemicals and that does no good for nobody. So right. I think more more consumers are realizing that you know, we, want, we want brands to stand for something meaningful and something genuine.
0: Yeah. Um,
1: so that's definitely where we will continue in the, in the next few years.
0: Well, thank you so much, Anna. Amazing oh, story you. and best of luck the rest of this year and obviously years to come.
1: Thank you so much. And thank you for having me. This was a wonderful conversation.